Hi, everybody. This is a podcast where real doctors discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that unless you think turkeys can fly, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Hi, Everybody, a Bad Medicine Podcast, a podcast where people talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. It's been a while. It's been that long. This is Hi, Everybody, a Bad Medicine Podcast, a podcast where we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. You can find us online at Hi, Everybody, MD on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or at www.hieverybodymd.com. You had to take a breath there, didn't you? I did. It's been a minute. You can also call us at 530-DOCTOR. That's 530-362-8672. That B stands for it's been a while since we've done something like this. Yeah, it has been a hot minute. I want to introduce, before we introduce the episode, introduce our guest, Dr. Greg Winter. Hi, everybody. It has been a while. I'm so happy to be sitting in a room with both of you. Yeah. And, And I think we should, should we go into why? Yeah. So there's been a pandemic. Wait, <laughs> wait, hold on, what? <laughs> hold on, wait, what is going on? Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm not sure how much you guys follow the news, but there's been this thing, and Jackson, you've dealt with it every day. Yeah, and I also hear about, like, you know, good medical advice from, like, Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that, so that's fantastic, but it's been nuts. Uh, I know I would say the biggest thing I would tell people to do is get vaccinated, and that is one of the biggest point of contentions, but... The big argument I usually get is, oh, you'll still get sick if you get vaccinated, Johnny. And that's true. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry. I'm only hearing this initially, so I'm going to have a lot of weird questions that I probably Which shouldn't I will have. say, you should still get vaccinated yeah. because if you didn't, you would be a lot sicker, right. as Johnny can explain. Yeah, I'm either... So I was diagnosed with COVID about three weeks after I was uh, fully vaccinated. And so my doctors figure either... I was a breakthrough case or I had it prior to vaccination. Uh, it was just a long hauler and I'm still dealing with stuff. Like I still get short of breath. I'm going to blame, you know, all of my tangents on that now, instead of just, you know, being out of being shape. <laughs> <laughs> but I also know that the only reason I knew that I had COVID is because I was going through things like that whole intro and actually getting short of breath. Mm. And so I had a really, really, really mild case. And we've talked about on the show before the fact that members of my family had much more severe cases. And so I absolutely think that I lucked out being yeah. vaccinated. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse. And luckily you're here. And now we're going to talk about stupid stuff for a while. And yeah. now this week and also coming up soon-ish. Yeah. Uh, we're actually going to release all these episodes that we're recording. Uh, we are doing a recording marathon today. Um, so everything we record today is going to come out right before Comic-Con because we are going to be at Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con Special Edition on Saturday at 3 p.m. in room in the show notes, 26 ABC, 25 ABC, uh, to talk about... You are way off. 7 AB. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a couple panels. That is also the COVID brain right there coming in. Yeah, that's just the multiple panel brain. Um, right. But uh, we are going to be talking about... The Bad Movie Medicine Holiday Special. Yeah. Talking about Die Hard, Christmas Story, and the greatest hits of Home Alone. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Since it's kind of the first I'm hearing about this, kind of, 
I have a bunch of questions I want to ask you, but I also know that's not what our podcast is about. But I'm also curious to ask you a bunch of questions. And by our podcast, I mean yours. I think it's a fair thing if yeah. people want to know what it's like to get. If yeah, it's super tangenty, I'll add it after the. I'll I'll cut it. And... Fair enough, because that's kind of my main question. Like, oh, this is the thing you hear about, and you know, it's very nebulous until it sort of happens to you. And like it did happen to you, mm-hmm. and you are our friend, and I sort. I mean, I want to know what happened and what was it like and what's going on. I played a lot of video games. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, follow Johnny Co on Twitch at at Johnny Co. <laughs> it's it's also at Cycloptico. It's oh. always Cycloptico. So I was feeling really weird for a couple weeks before and after I got my second dose of my vaccine, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it it got to the point where I said I need to like it, it the the really the worst thing that happened to me was really getting short of breath. Okay, and um, I work I have a day job where I work on the phones, so it's just like what I'm doing here now, except for I'm not allowed to drink. And <laughs> wait, you guys have booze? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was literally going through my job asking people. COVID precaution safety questions because I work in a job where we send people into people's homes saying, have you had any COVID symptoms like uh, headache, nausea, shortness of breath, uh, coughing, uh, wheezing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was running out of breath as I was going through the COVID symptoms. Mm. And I said, wait a second, that's not normal after a little bit of time of that. And so, and my wife works in a job where she's exposed to people all the time. So she's been going, she had been going to get, get herself covid tests every week at work and then when she was feeling weird she went and got rapid tests a couple times on her own and i said i'm feeling weird let's go get one and i tested positive mm-hmm. she did not yeah we were both asked yeah, yeah. No. we were both and you guys presumably living in close proximity we have a 590 <laughs> square foot condo <laughs> we are living in very close proximity and how many times did, were you short of breath when you were giving them the rundown of our socials <laughs> this is the first time. Oh, okay. Just making sure. <laughs> um, but so so we isolated as as well as we could in a one bedroom condo. Mm-hmm. I stayed in the bedroom, and she stayed in the front room for those ten days. She got tested four times and never tested positive. Like two rapids and two PCR tests. PCRs are the are the big ones, right? Yeah, the more more accurate ones. Yes. Despite the fact that you know, obviously, we were in close proximity and. We could only isolate so much right. with one bedroom and or one bathroom and three rooms between us total. And so I really th- like I credit the fact that a I didn't have like I I've still been dealing with I haven't gone to the gym since I had COVID. Part of that is great be- excuse. Yeah, part of that is a great excuse. Part of that is Me either or before I got it. <laughs> <laughs> or for the last three years. <laughs> You're you're just uh, you're an early adopter, it's right? It's precautionary. No. Um, but because this last this is November that we're recording this, and it was really not until late September, beginning of October, that I could go out and. I'm sorry. Walk. What, what month? October. Yeah. October. Yeah. Okay. L- late hot. Late late horror October. <laughs> uh, um, like. Even in September, we went to, speaking of Horror October, uh, we went to Not Scary Farm in um, in L.A., and I was fine hanging out till 2 a.m., 
And then I was done for two days afterwards oh, wow. because I was that winded and didn't realize that also because I had liquid courage, didn't realize that that I was wearing myself out that much. And this has yeah. been like the last four or five weeks have been the first time that I've been really able to like walk to the pizza shop and outpace my wife and have her say, hey, slow down. I, I mean, I appreciate you you telling people about it. I yeah. think there's a, one of the big things about COVID that's very crummy for people that go through it is you feel bad. You you question everything you do. Like, mm -hmm. is was this a safe thing for me to do? How did I get this? Yeah. And it's also like, it kind of, it doesn't matter. Like, it happened. I mean, as long as you weren't being malicious, then who cares how it happened? And I think that's the key is not trying to be malicious because well, yeah. there's I, a lot of, I mean... I work in the emergency department. And it's I, well, that's, I mean, I, I, I mean that a lot of people, I mean, the first question that a lot of people ask is like, how did you get it? And it's like, I don't know. I, it's I everywhere. go to work. It's everywhere. How did, I mean, how did I wait so long to get it actually? Um, and I think that it's, it, it's a weird thing because I didn't know about you getting it until pretty recently. And we've been making out like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's like the fact, I mean, I get why it's not a thing that you share because it makes people feel weird, but also like... It has that stigma of right. uncleanliness. Right. Yeah. right. And, right. and that's, that's really crummy and it sucks that on top of feeling sick, then you also have to feel mentally bad because like maybe I'm doing something wrong and trying to live my life. There's no big message here. I'm just, it's just crummy. I'm, sa I'm sad that you went through it. I'm happy that you're better. Um, I think the big message is get vaccinated so right. that... Right. That's why this podcast is continuing is because we all got vaccinated. And right. We can all make fun of stupid medical shows. And and I I got vaccinated. Maybe I got it before. Maybe I got it after. We don't really know because um, I was playing it pretty safe yep. both ways, like before and after. Jackson knows because Jackson is the one that I wasn't hanging out with until like well, literally mean, going to get vaccinated. That's yeah. what I, I mean. I That's what I remember was like we hadn't seen you forever. Yeah. And we... We hung out a little bit because we did get we got vaccinated early. Mm -hmm. Most yeah. of us did, and so like our WonderCon panel. Yeah. yeah, I was I was at home. You guys were all together. Yeah. yeah, and I think I, I mean, it's just crummy. And then also you got to deal with people that are gonna say stuff because of what you did or didn't do or what they assumed you did or mm -hmm. didn't do. And it's just like when people are sick, just be happy they're better and that's the most. Wash your hands. Thing. Wash yeah. your hands and get vaccinated. Please, yeah, please wash your hands. The number of people that don't wash their hands at my workplace is gross. I'm not talking about coworkers. I'm talking about like patients themselves. It's you know, disgusting. interesting thing when when doctors first were pushing for washing their hands, there was a similar pushback about how you're crazy if you're washing your hands. So what do you mean microscopic things that get people sick? Oh, also, little this things on your fingertips. It takes too long. Right. I mean, just that's still an argument I hear this like to this day that it takes too long to wash your hands. You know, do do the things that's the best health advice from your health professionals. Yeah, just do that what? are not the health professionals <laughs> you're listening to now because this is not medical <laughs> advice. You can listen to me if you see me in person. Right. Not here, yeah. in this general audio space. I can listen to you. If you yeah. see me in person, you have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> <laughs> If you Dr. See Greg Winter, who, if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, Dr. Greg Winter is a palliative care doctor, which means... I do hospice and palliative care, which is end-of-life care for people who have um, terminal no, illness. And, and no COVID vaccines. <laughs> not, no, actually, some of them have had COVID vaccines. Actually, that's one of the things that makes me happy when a patient of mine has pushed to get a COVID vaccine. Because just because, just because you're dying soon doesn't mean you're dying tomorrow. And that also doesn't mean you want to die from a respiratory illness that's preventable. 
So get your vaccine. And uh, Dr. Jackson Vane, for those of you who don't know the show, you are? I'm a pediatric emergency medicine doctor. Um, so if you see me, you're either a child or you or came to the you wrong hospital. You, you made a wrong turn. <laughs> yeah, though, or you're in bad shape. Though recently there's been a lot more um, adults patients that have graduated from my emergency department that have decided to come back quite a bit. Oh, yeah? Just like uh, we're not getting... We didn't know what it was like when you don't get the hand-holding of pediatrics. So or coming back. That other hospital is real busy. It might be faster here. But what are we talking about today, Johnny? <laughs> Since I'm going to toss it over to you for a change. Today we are talking about uh, Scrubs Season 5, Episode 20, My Lunch. You might know this episode as, oh, the fray has a sad song. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't all their songs kind of sad? I only know our, how to save a life, and I only know our, it from this. Our, I was going to say, aren't all of their songs this one song? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I will say this is probably the first TV show that actually used this song before other medical TV shows. Right. So this was before Grey's Anatomy banged it into your head mm. in, until you wanted to die. But this was the first instance of the How to Save Your Life song. And I will say, after this episode aired in medical school... Way too many people played this song. No, we don't afford it anymore. We can't afford it. Yeah, we can't afford it. But um, the premise of the, I guess, I guess the best way to explain this is it starts out by running into a patient that they don't like. Yeah, an annoying patient. It's worse when you run into annoying doctors that you know. Yeah, I try. <laughs> I always tell families it's <laughs> it's better. I hope you're very nice people, but I hope I never see you again. And I think that's the nicest way to say well, it. But that's what your job is. Like, no, yeah. you don't. Like, I don't want you to be in the emergency room. You should never see me again. Yeah. Also, what you should never see me do is wear scrubs outside of work mm -hmm. in, as, yeah. in social situations. I only did that once, and now it's on a social media page. Yeah. And, I think and it's I'm really important. upset about it. I think it's you can realize a lot about what someone does if they wear scrubs in social situations, which is I do because I don't deal with like you don't bodily have social fluids. situations. <laughs> But if you are in the ER, your scrubs are your. It's it's not like a hey, I'm lazy. It's I'm gonna get covered with gross sh stuff today. Mm. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> I'm gonna get covered with gross stuff today. So like this is a hospital sanctioned uniform that can get covered with gross stuff. I yeah. can even change it I in can the middle of the these. day. Yeah, I can I can literally put it in the machine and get a new pair yeah. if I get covered with stuff. I mean, for me, it's just nice pajamas. It is pajamas, and I think that was the thing I explained the other day. Like, I don't wear fancy clothes to work. <laughs> I literally wear pajamas yeah. to work. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't like being that person to wear my scrubs outside of work, mainly for two reasons. One, my name is on it. And yeah. I don't want people knowing my name when I go out to the public. Two, it's kind of a kind of a dick move. Mm -hmm. um, I feel I, like... Some I wear them all the time. <laughs> well, that explains a lot. <laughs> but I remember that was a big thing in medical school where... People would wear their scrubs out to try to hit right. on people. Look like a hero. Like, look like a hero. Say, like, I, I have higher stature than whatnot. And I think and ever since I saw that happen in med school, it's kind of been like a put off to never wear scrubs out in public. And I will say, like, I definitely witnessed that. That I don't think that was ever me using scrubs as a way to, like, hey, look at me. That's why you I wore just, your white coat. I'm real, real lazy. <laughs> I think scrubs are comfortable, and my scrubs don't get covered in nonsense, so it doesn't bother me. So neither of you would be the kind of doctors who would uh, wear your scrubs for a thank you for your service moment. Correct. Yeah. I mean, someone actually told me thank you for your service when I went to Starbucks once. 
And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Was that <laughs> March 2020 as opposed to March 2021? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember I was real confused. I was I remembered I rolled up to the drive through. I was still wearing my scrubs, got my coffee. And the guy goes, oh, you're a doctor. Thank you for your service. And I said, for what like, service? What are you talking about? I guess. <laughs> Thank you for my coffee, I guess. Goodbye. <laughs> No, that's like yeah, the cringiest thing. It's like when San Diego had the Padres had their opening day and they had all the frontline workers stand up. I refuse to stand you up. You were still there. Yep. I mean, it's it's weird because it's a, it's a nice thing to acknowledge because there are so many other people other than doctors and nurses. There, you know, you got your secretaries, you got all these people that are also as highly exposed or at risk for nonsense because of where they work and then seeing how much they have to put up with from people that just um, really just devalue them as human beings coming into, especially an ER setting where people... It's okay, though. They're heroes. <laughs> right. Quote, unquote. You can call someone a hero and still scream in their face. I think that's... Uh, I think those there's a group of people who feel very, very acknowledged and are happy that that happened, but I don't think it's doctors and nurses. No. It, I mean... But also, it's ni- it's good that... Like, yeah, you need janitors to run hospitals. You need everyone else to run hospitals. Those are the people that should have been recognized, honestly. The ones that literally. I was going to say, Neil Flynn's character would not have gotten (laughs) any recognition whatsoever. But those are the people that should have been recognized because they work so much harder than anyone can ever imagine. And they get zero recognition for it. Yeah. And I think that's the more frustrating part. Also frustrating, three patients that need transplants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how far did we go into the premise of this episode? I we think ran we into Jill. About that it's it's scrubs. It's scrubs. You ran into an uh, annoying patient, which is definitely one of my nightmares. If I ever run into a patient that recognizes me, but to be honest, I probably would not recognize them. Right. I think actually that's that's where I got stuck before, which is you. If you are a healthcare person and someone recognizes you. It's kind of your job to not recognize them because other people know what you do and that means that other people can recognize that maybe you are someone who has treated them and that would be sort of a HIPAA violation. Granted, if someone came up to you and was like, hey, it's me, your patient, that's, that's you're not going to get in trouble. But as a doctor, like I'm not, I don't, I don't have a relationship with you outside if, of the If hospital. you came up to me and said, hey, Johnny One-Eye, that would be an issue. <laughs> that would be an issue. But if you're like, hey, it's me, Johnny One Eye, you treated me, I also would probably not acknowledge you. Yeah. But I mean, it's just this is this is not a professional setting, and because of the professional setting, this I, I can't have a, a weird social interaction with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This this meeting never happened. Yeah. Because honestly, for me personally, I see so many patients. It's really hard for me to remember you, and the only way I remember you is for two reasons: one, you were really sick and you survived, or two. You were really annoying. <laughs> so you're saying you don't want me to remember? I don't want to. I I don't want to recognize you. That's Either probably way. a good thing. Yeah, and I would be equally surprised. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Lazarus? Yeah. <laughs> you Wait. came from the grave. It happens. Just the one time. Eh. More than once. <laughs> <laughs> you're. Either really good at your job or really, really bad, bad at your, at your job. job. <laughs> Sounds like you've been real bad at your job. Uh-huh. Been weird. It's been weird lately. Like uh, <laughs> she went peacefully. Holy crap, she's back alive. <laughs> she went peacefully to Starbucks. <laughs> um, you want to go through the three patients? Uh, actually, I have a oh, quick we question before we get. I'm gonna take it back to even before the going to the grocery store and seeing Jill. Okay. Um, doc- we, oh, we almost got to the beginning. We, yeah, we almost, almost got, got to the beginning of the we episode. Almost got to the. We were of this, this close. So um, close. But Dr. Cox, as they were talking about their three patients, um, number one, he was doing. 
what I would have viewed as rounds in an earlier season of Scrubs, Mm -hmm. but it was only with the main characters, with a surgeon, two residents or fellows, I don't know where they are anymore, and a nurse. It's almost like a huddle. Yeah. Is that normal or is that... I mean, I I know during sign out when I'm like change of shift time, we'll do kind of like a okay. like sign out and like a huddle kind of like that, going, "Hey, here's what's going on today. So and so is sick. So and so has this. This is what's pending for this person." So sometimes we'll do like informal kind of rounds like that. At, at least in my department, um, maybe in the ICU too. If there's like shift change, it might do like an in like a informal huddle, but it's not an uncommon thing. Okay. I mean, it's a hierarchy for sure. And so, like, there are physicians that meet into the round, mm-hmm. you know, the attending on calls that might t- be talking about more complicated stuff. And then they might have their senior residents that they meet with directly to. And the to senior residents would talk to yeah. the. Um, but I, I mean, round, like, rounding when we talk about it or when we, when we complain about it is very much an academic institution thing where it's just like, hey, you're going to get there and you're going to be ready to be tested on these patients as opposed to rounding in a day-to-day sense which is just like oh i gotta go and see all my patients and then we gotta decide what to do yeah okay there's they're both called rounding except for there's there's an academic thing that is what you see in a lot of teaching rounds and then there's um functional rounds i guess is a nicer way to think about it i don't do rounds in my job because it's impossible because hopefully your patients aren't there long enough for right yeah we might you to go to a second, see them again on your next shift. Which, oh my God, it's been like that recently, but that's the real. We've been doing kind of rounds because of that. Mm. Or Why is this guy still here? Yeah. That, that, <laughs> I actually went home, came back from my next shift, and I said, why is this person still here? This, this should be a never event in the ER. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, unless you went home and then got hurt and came, came back, back, you should not be here. Like, total time in the emergency department. 35 hours. What the heck is this? That's it's, supposed to be in the waiting room. Yeah. <laughs> why are you not, why are you not upstairs yet why are you, why is it still my problem it's a very common thing uh number two in dr cox at that point in time was dealing with five seasons worth of jd and elliot yeah would he have sworn more depends depends what kind of day he's having okay i i mean i think he's gonna he's gonna swear as much as he swears that's when you're in attending, you're just going to be who you are. Unless there is an administrator there, then you might change a little bit. Yeah, especially if you don't like them. My <laughs> God, those are going to be a lot more swearing. Or you're going to move to nights. Yeah. <laughs> or you'll be moved to nights. That cuts real deep right there. <laughs> my nocturnus set, my nocturnus heart is broken because he would say something like that. Um, so going the, as far as the patients that Jackson yeah. brought up. Um, there are three patients that are clinging to life. And Dr. Cox specifically vibes on patients that are clinging to life. And this episode came from what, 2003, 2004? Uh, 2006. Is this the first case of somebody talking about somebody vibing on something because on television? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Possibly, actually. I, I, I made that is, note and is, then wait, is wait, that when Coachella started? <laughs> <laughs> is that when Coachella started? Because then he probably was vibing on patients. <laughs> Uh, but he had very the, there was one that wasn't that sick it was a kidney transplant person wasn't that mm-hmm. sick right who was just his buddy yeah the other two were the ones that were really sick there was the liver transplant and a heart valve yep and I will say the liver transplant person looked nice and yellow and 
I appreciated that. Yeah, somebody somebody in the makeup department did what they were supposed to do. And yeah. someone in the medical consulting department was like, that patient should be The real JD. Yeah. <laughs> and when they're like, oh, we need to check this person's ammonia level, I'm like, oh, thank you. As, an, as a person who has to deal with encephalopathy or hepatic encephalopathy, that makes me happy. Yeah. So encephalopathy is swollen you, brain, right? It's basically some kind of illness of the brain. Usually it's like a poisoning of the brain from like um, a buildup of ammonia. That's the best way to kind encephalopathy of Encephalopathy means your brain's not working good. It okay. means that things are your, – your brain is not functioning the way that it should be. And it usually comes out in a very um, – in a way that you can test by talking to somebody. It's not like – you hit somebody on the head and they're knocked out. It's like someone is real confused. They're real. It will not weird. show up on CT scan. Home yeah. or no function. You're well with that. <laughs> yes, correct. And this lady uh, had an overabundance of ammonia, yep. and your liver helps kind of process all that stuff. And usually, that's a big telltale sign that your liver is failing. That and you're bleeding out of every orifice, and you're yellow. <laughs> so and many. we didn't see every orifice, so we got two out of three. Yes, you only saw the face orifices. I think it's I, not. I think, but it's my understanding that part of uh, Dr. Seuss's like characterization is from hepatic failure patients with their big bellies and oh. their yellow skin. Yeah, that's that, a, that was what I was told. I also don't know if that's true. Also, The Simpsons. I mean, that's just good character design. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough. Um, and then the other thing is they were mentioning. Mr. Dennison with the heart valve and on a bunch of drips. That's like a very common thing too. It's also weird that you would have a patient that's a heart valve tra transplant patient. Like we have other things yeah. that we can do. The leaky valves really shouldn't cause you to be down like that. It's more like at that point the heart's just not able to keep up with that leaky valve. So it, so it's basically a we are doing other things and you're waiting but you're not waiting in a yeah. bed. It would be a weird it would be a weird thing for him to be that acutely ill waiting for a person's a valve. valve as opposed like there are Pig valves, valve, there are artificial valves, valves yeah. like all this other stuff that you could have. Yeah. Granted, you never know the situation. And also, patients have autonomy. And so sometimes people will be like, you know, it's my preference that I don't have this particular thing. It's like, well, if you, if you don't get the thing we offer you, then you might die. And people say, okay, well, I'll, I'll wait and see. So, I mean, that but, would be the only... Like, and there could be a chance that he waited too long and saw what happened. Yeah. Actually, he probably did it. He I was mean, pretty sick. Where did I go wrong? I mean, that's why he <laughs> lost a friend. <laughs> Somewhere in the bitterness end. Wow, how do you know the words to that? I heard this song a lot it feels, in medical it feels school. Feels like it. Why would people play this in medical school? Because it's like, don't you know that I have feels? I have the feels. I have feels. I'm a doctor, and I need to save a save a life. Even though the song has nothing to do with saving lives medically, I think it's like about someone who tried to commit suicide. Yeah. I mean, there's some. I mean, to bring it back to the show, that's a thing that happened, or at least the thing they thought that happened. They saw that happened, which is a great way to bring this back um, to the Todd. No. <laughs> um, oh, so the, the patient Jill, who was a throwback to an earlier episode because she was tied to her blackberries when blackberries were the oh god, remember blackberries when no. the, when it was no. weird. <laughs> um, I actually had one. <laughs> I had my Hippocrates on it. Remember Hippocrates? I had a Palm Pilot. I think this has actually come up. I also had a previously. Palm Pilot too, but it was it was my BlackBerry after my Hippocrates. Did it change how you wrote A's? It did for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> eat up, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a patient that, as discussed, JD and Cox ran into and thought and didn't want to hang out with. Yeah, and then she came in uh, for what they thought was a cocaine overdose. Yeah. 
that was the diagnosis. And it's, I would say if you had a cocaine overdose, the biggest thing that I'd be worried about is your heart, which is not a, which I think that's probably why they built that in. Cause then you can't really transplant an infarcted heart. Yeah. I mean, you can it, transplant in, in an a heart with an, a heart with a, a valve that works. Infarcted okay. means, uh, like, just ischemic, lost, no blood supply. Oh, ischemic. Big, Thank bigger you. words, Jack. Sorry. There was no blood supply going to that heart. Um, that heart muscle is damaged. Okay. Um, I, I actually thought it was sort of a a throwaway diagnosis. Like, people who overdose on cocaine, like... They that, have something else. That doesn't... Like, what happened was their cocaine overdose caused them to have heart a, a myocardial infarction, which is a heart, fancy heart attack. Or a stroke, which is like Coke stroke is a thing that happens where like, hey, otherwise healthy person. Are you saying a fancy way of saying brain attack? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's that's like otherwise, you know, healthy young person comes in and they are essentially brain dead because they had a huge stroke, which is what oxygen not getting to a specific part of your brain. But you have that in the wrong spot and you you are brain dead. Um, And so like you wouldn't. it's weird because yes, that's a cocaine overdose, but that's not how you would talk about that patient no. because that's not the thing. That be- because the overdose is over because right. the overdose is what caused the o- X, Y, and Z. The yeah. overdose is not the thing that killed you. It's the organs right. not working <laughs> that killed it's, you. It's weird because it's like it's not wrong, but it's just weird. It's Chekhov's not... cocaine. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to think of it that way. And season three of Star Trek was. Crazy and the animated series. Um, like my interpretation of this is that once the once the drugs are out of your system and the symptoms of the drugs are are out of your system, you're just dealing with whatever the heck happened to your body. It's the damage that happened after the right. toxin hit your body. Right. Yeah. So in this case, usually with an overdose. Most organs are viable, and it's fair game to use. Really? It can be, yeah. Huh. As long as it's still perfused well, and if you're brain dead, if you're clinically brain dead at that point, so that could have been the reason why she died, is that she might have stroked out. They, As long as they keep the heart pumping still, and they can harvest all the organs, you can still use them. But usually, they do a lot more screening to make sure those organs are okay to be used. And... Uh- Spoilers, if you're watching the episode as you listen to this episode, which, by the way, I'm impressed, um, would they screen for rabies? This episode is already longer than where you'd be in the actual episode. Welcome to Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. No, um, rabies is not a common thing they screen for because it is such a rare disease. Yeah, There are not many cases of rabies. Um, Where we live in San Diego, there's been zero cases of human rabies for at least a decade. In the episode, so... uh, Jill, the the character who died, mm-hmm. apparently had rabies. Yeah. And JD brings up, oh, there are one to three cases a year. And I Googled it. It's, and there were less than three cases yeah, very, in very. 2013 to 2018. Yeah. It's super, super rare. It also takes like one to three months of incubation time to actually tell if someone has rabies. And the f- symptoms are super vague. It's fevers and headaches. And then you start going down like the, yeah. the, the darker roots. It's, it's a diagnosis of exclusion, which means like somebody comes in, they're super sick, you're doing all this stuff, and you're like, it's, everything's negative. And somebody's like, what about rabies? You're like, yeah, we could test for rabies. Like that's yeah. the only way you would do you that. You know you're screwed when you have hydrophobia. And that's like right. one of the craziest diagnoses. And this is one of those things, I hate to say it, I first learned about it on The Office. From Stephen King? No, from The <laughs> Office. Not from Cujo, but from uh, Steve Carell. 
Yeah, talking Stephen King, but from Stephen Carell. From Steve Carell <laughs> talking about how people are afraid of water when they have rabies during the Michael Scott Fun Run Pro-Am for <laughs> Race for the Cure for Rabies. I sort of Bonus remember episode. I sort of remember him talking about it. We probably should watch that episode. We should, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but basically, if you got it and you already have those symptoms, you're likely you're gonna already dead. You're pretty much going to 95% die. Yeah, I, I think basically most people die. There are some things they can do to like sort of induce a coma and support your body and see if you will get through it. And the thing that kills you it's with just, with rabies, I mean, it's neurologic yeah, stuff. Okay, it's basically neurologic stuff. En- encephalopathy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That is probably one of the biggest things. But it's really like you get anxiety, you get um, confusion, insomnia, and then you go into a coma. Your brain. It's basically all neurologic, and then you die. Yeah. At what point does your body disappear? Ooh, you mean like, like how like everyone dies f- when it fade. fades out of the blanket? Yeah, I'm sorry, that's not disappear. That is fading into the force. Uh, you're <laughs> absolutely right. I did not realize that Jill was a Jedi. None of them came back though. It was weird. I yeah. apologize to J.J. Abrams, but that's what happened. They all became one with the force. I mean, I think maybe the most egregious medical issue in this particular show is that. There's a patient that it died and is an organ donor. And somehow there are three patients in the hospital that all meet the qualifications to match that organ donor. I actually wrote that down too. And also... Which is a 0%. Also, chance. how quickly they improved the minute they got their organs. Because you feel like crap. I, th- I think in general people, like, the things that we're trending change so rapidly because now their organ is working but also you've been really sick for a while it's not it's not an immediate change they're gonna be on a lot of immunosuppressants yeah maybe even like cyclosporin because when you get that face transplant you need that that going just to make sure you stay alive but those immunosuppressants make you feel crappy too a friend of mine actually recently had a lung face off no. <laughs> I know a friend. A I know that a lot of my friends have had a lot of things happen to them. But a friend of mine recently had a lung transplant, and he feels so much better, and it's great that he's doing well. Except for he also is kind of chronically ill because you yeah. have to take immunosuppressions. Um, I think he's fine with the trade off, but you know that's breathing uh, <laughs> or getting sick all the time. That's it, it's it's it was weird talking to him leading into it because he he did sort of not want to talk about what it would mean for him to get a lung transplant because it means that somebody else had a worse day than he did, right? And they do, they they touch on it really briefly and that's, I think, a really tough thing or at least part of being a doctor is is trying to balance that. Like, this, even just because something went really well here doesn't mean everything is, is great. But normally it would have been just because something went really well in San Diego, it meant that something went really badly in, <laughs> right, right. in San Francisco and they flew down whatever went okay. I'm glad you picked a big city and not just like some, <laughs> some tiny city. You're yeah. like, oh, we're just harvesting organs and sending them all to San Diego. That would be horrible. And, and that's kind of the other thing is that there's so much stuff that goes into an organ transplant, like the donor lists and, and organs. And <laughs> ah, nice. But there are so many things that that sort of go into that, that to have three patients that are all going to get this one patient's organ. It's just like, this is it, nonsense. It's not like if you've ever worked in a restaurant, it's not first in, first out for <laughs> right, right. For, for kidneys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the very minimum, you're saying these three people all have the, these four people all have the same blood type. Well, that and, blood type is um, and, yeah. guest cast. <laughs> guest cast. <laughs> 
That's so That's terrible. Bad. That's bad. Um, also equally as terrible in this episode, um, everyone got sick really quick at the same time. Like immediately everyone's organs failed. And I think the one thing we kind of, I, I kind of mentioned earlier is it takes one to three months to incubate rabies. So it's hard to say that all these organs failed because of rabies at that point. And everyone died real quick. But does rabies yeah. make you annoying? Is that, was she showing late stage rabies? I don't want water. I can't drink <laughs> that, water. Like, water is gross. Absolutely wrote, written in I don't hydrophobia. Like it could. I'm surprised that they didn't. I mean, that's that's such a that's such like a board question. Like, oh well, what could have happened? Like the and also the only thing that could have happened to all of those patients is something uh, systemic that you wouldn't have tested for earlier. So it's like a potential answer for a nonsense question that shouldn't. I, exist. I honestly believe that was on my like step one. Yeah, was, I, I this patient doesn't that. like this patient is afraid to drink water. And I go, okay, it's rabies. That's the only thing that it fits with. Yeah, not foaming at the mouth. Or uh, acting like a raccoon, but you know, I do cute little per- things with my hands sometimes. The preferred be term concerned. is trash panda. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I should use their preferred term of trash panda for this one. Terrible. Um, but yeah, everyone got sick really quick and everyone died. Um, the so there was so Doctor Cox had his best friend patient because they yes. bonded over trauma. Yeah, which one hundred percent medically accurate. As far as people yeah. bonding over trauma goes. That's true. Yeah. People love talking about, I mean, war stories. Always yeah. fun. It's certainly 100% speed accurate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also, I thought that uh, Dr. Cox had a very good, it, it was like a good impression of how crummy it is to tr- to do something good in the medical arena where he's like, hey, I only give you a compliment twice a year. You better lap it up. And yeah. that's what it feels like. Like it's no one true. ever says anything good to you. And when they do, you you better enjoy it because immediately something else bad is I, I probably get also, maybe, so abusive. Yeah. So abusive. I will probably say this. I get maybe four thank yous from patients a year. Really? It's rare when I get like a good like thank you for what you did. I'm a really good patient. <laughs> nah, not necessarily. And Jackson only Deserves three thank yous a year, so he's ahead <laughs> of the curve. I got one extra one. I'm going to store that for winter, for sure. Greg winter. No. No, I no. don't get any. But yeah, those kudos, kudos are rare to come by, and it, it's true. You really... That's a shame. Thank your doctors. No, like, don't don't thank them in the supermarket. <laughs> no. But thank them the way you thank your bartender. Yeah. Or the way you thank your Uber driver. Also, you know, thank other people in your life that way. That's a nice way to live your life. Just just saying thank you to people that are nice. Like, that's what what I don't get. You should get more thank yous because... It's it's definitely a rare thing to get kudos from families, I would say. Getting kudos from your attending and whatnot. I mean, I make that a point to to tell my residents when they've done a good job. Because they definitely get beat down a lot. and And my nurses and my staff and all that stuff, I always try to say thank you. Because it is rare when we we get any kind of gratitude from our patients. Yeah, Other than hard. than the painting on the side of the new building coming up on my block, which is thank you to our essential workers. With, <laughs> right, like a I'm thing sorry. that literally helps no one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like a plane flyover, exactly. or banging pots and pans, or more pizza. Although I love pizza, sorry, please give me pizza, <laughs> but without <laughs> toppings, only cheese pizza. Oh, you only get thank you with cheese, no pepperoni. You don't deserve it. You can earn that. <laughs> you you got to earn pepperoni. Yeah. Pepperoni's for closers. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there. I 100% knew you were going there. Six more months of lockdown and maybe, maybe yeah. you could have got pepperoni. I remember it at the beginning of the whole pandemic and I saw 50 pizzas get brought into the ER and I was super excited. 
every single one was cheese. Just cheese. And like, I just looked at it and I'm like, oh my God, I can't eat this much cheese. My belly's going to be sad. Yeah. I'm going to have a sad tum-tum. Definitely did. And you did. I ate the whole pizza by myself. But. My tum-tum was But you weren't sad. happy about it. Kind of. Okay. Well, um, I think the biggest thing here, though, too, is like when you do lose a lot of patients like this. like, And I think that was the, the driving point of this whole episode emotionally is that there was a definite toll on Cox when he lost all those patients all at once, especially the, his um, trauma buddy. Yeah. yeah. That's a rough one. I, I mean, it was also, I mean, there's like the see one, do one thing in medicine, and it's like JD got his, he got a little bit of a... Um, Got a little bit of support, but was able to immediately turn around and give that support when it was needed. And that's how quickly it can sometimes be needed, where you learn something and you have to put it into immediate practice. Yeah. And what's the C1 do one? Uh, it's C1 do one, teach one, which is like, oh, you, here's a procedure. You saw it the next time you do it. And then the next time you teach, teach it, it. Okay. which is not a good way to teach it. I mean, that's a way for mistakes and stuff to happen but it's also it's more like c5 do 20 teach one but it's also not that's not always the reality of the situation right like all they needed to do was sit down and have a lunch and decompress but then their pages are going off you gotta you gotta Mm -hmm. go to work um it's it's not a there's no perfect solution to it right because part of it is you have to get hands-on experience you have to do that but also you have to do it safely but also we need you to graduate and be competent and so there's lots of things that are worked into that you know that last code would have been a good one for a resident to see oh the yeah. one with the the, the actual the, kidney patient code yeah the one who actually required actual shocking mm-hmm. and shocking someone is like one of the scariest things i'm not gonna lie like the last month i've shocked like two patients and it's one of the scariest things because you don't know if you're gonna make this worse or better and you have to make sure the patient's like out before you shock them because the last thing you want to do is shock someone who's still conscious because if feels like they're pun- getting punched in the chest. Also, it feels like they're getting electrocuted through their heart. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> also, what also will make you feel bad is not yelling clear and yeah. someone's body is still touching the gurney or the patient themselves and then they get shocked. Oh, I didn't think about even the gurney, but it's it's conductive. Or leaving oxygen that's exposed and then an arc builds and then you cause kabooms. Kabooms. Kablamos. So this would have been a good one for a C1, definitely. Not so much a do one, but definitely a C1 because this was actually a really good code kind of situation where they shocked um, they were still trying to give breaths. They were trying to still do CPR in between shocks and all that stuff. So I appreciated that a lot. And also they didn't shock me systole, which is a big win. In general. They specifically called out VFib in this one, yep. which which VTAC. He, he specifically looked at a monitor that didn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> he's still in VTAC. <laughs> he, he heard it. He, yeah. you know, I mean, look, I I did appreciate that attention to detail. That's why you have somebody that's saying, "Hey, don't do that." And at least on the script. Can I also yeah. say that is the cleanest code where they needed shocking? Because usually at that yeah, point, there's pretty messy. wrappers, there's blood, there's paper, there's everything. Just Because they would have tried to do everything else before they tried yeah. to shock them? Yeah. Well, they would have started an IV, given like epinephrine. They would have pushed a lot of meds. You'd see a lot of empty syringes everywhere without needles. And just, I've never been in a code where it's clean after I'm done. It is a very chaotic thing. And the last thing we worry about is cleanliness. And that was probably one of the cleanest areas I've seen for someone trying to die. You need more forest ghosts. and Yeah, right. And then the body just disappeared. So <laughs> even cleaner. You know what? Took care of itself. The coroner didn't have to worry about it. It was an easy case. 
Actually, I think the coroner doesn't have to worry about this. Is going to be an entirely new issue. <laughs> Touche. The coroner. Where the I heck is this guy. body? Yeah. Uh, you had three deaths. Where? Um, uh, here's the thing. I don't have any of those bodies. Yeah. Oh wait, the, the attending. Oh, he's drunk. He is very drunk right now. You can see how much his beard has grown between these two episodes. Oh, is he is he having a bit of a drinking problem? Oh, the next, the episode, next episode is is harder to watch than this one. He's a Red Wings fan and he gets drunk. That's all I remember. <laughs> That's all he's wearing. He's wearing a Red Wings jersey and getting tinked. That's basically twenty four percent of my hometown. Gross. Toledo's great. Oh, the Red Wings part is just gross. It was the nineties. It was a good time to be a Red Wings Fair. fan. Anyway, speaking of gross. Speaking of gross. The human centipede bills itself as 100% medically accurate. If you're new to the show, that means that the human centipede is our baseline. If that's our baseline, Dr. Greg Winter, how medically accurate is my lunch? The episode of that. Oh, wow. That's actually really hard with, <laughs> with the human centipede joke. If that's the case, Dr. Greg Winter, how medically accurate is the episode of Scrubs, my lunch? So I think in general, Scrubs is one of those shows that people that have gone through medical education understands that they've gotten it right. Um, and or at least they've gotten it like, oh, yeah, I remember feeling exactly like that. Um, there's not a lot of medicine in this particular episode. It's just like sick patients got suddenly sick. A decision gets made and sometimes things don't go so well from that from that sort of big picture standpoint, then this is like 200% accurate. If it gets down to the nitty gritty, like there's no way that um, somebody is going to be able to, to give their organs to three different people in the same hospital. I mean, they will give their organs to three different people, but uh, it's going to be spread But one's going to be in Maine and right. one's going to be in Florida and one's going to be... Yeah. And I mean, the, the way that you can beat yourself up over a decision that is also a decision that everyone else would agree with it's just like that it never feels like that to you when you when you feel like it could have gone differently so i mean it, scrubs scrubs knows what they're doing I'll 200 give, i'll give it a 200 i'd actually agree <laughs> 200 good um it's pretty accurate again my my biggest qualms would be like everyone needs the same organs and can get the same organs that's probably the biggest shocking kind of thing um and then it's really easy to make a mistake like missing rabies cuz it's so so rare because it's a house level illness but also you should miss rabies you shouldn't be testing for rabies no uh that's a waste of money right that's it's a waste of money it's a waste of, waste of time that's he he said it very he's like you it would have been be irresponsible to test for that yeah that is 100 percent true in fact that's 200 percent true <laughs> <laughs> but it's fair i think that is a valid valid score for an episode like this it's 200 percent. is there anything that you guys would have done to make the episode more medically accurate while keeping the stakes high. Messier and yellier. Yeah, the code a code is, uh, there's no, a code is chaos. I mean, it's controlled chaos. Oh, I can't believe I said, ugh, that makes me angry I said that. But it is that, right? Like, you are doing everything you can, but also you, it, once you are doing something, then it doesn't matter if it's on the floor, we'll clean it up later. The, the point is to have somebody not die. And so that can get a little messy. Controlled chaos, I know you don't like that term, but it's essentially what it is. It's I just don't like platitudes that I've heard other people say, and Fair. now I'm repeating. <laughs> Another way to think of it is just a lot of things are happening at once. 
a lot of people are trying to accomplish the same thing with different paths to get there. Right. And that's essentially what's happening. And you just have to have one person that kind of controls everything. And I think that's what Dr. Cox was doing. And that's how most of my codes are is I have eight or nine people trying to do different things, but all accomplishing or trying to accomplish the same goal. And it looks chaotic. It looks really messy. There's a lot of yelling. Um, it's very loud in those situations. That code was real quiet, real calm, which sometimes is a good thing. But also that's a situation too, where everyone might be afraid to speak up. And during codes, when you're really down to the nitty gritty and the last kind of ditch effort to save this person's life, everyone should be af not afraid to talk up or speak up at that time. Yeah. Have you considered piping in more calming indie music? <laughs> Only the fray. Only the fray. Only the fray is all I'm going to hear. And Coldplay. That's just going to make me madder. I'd, I would put some Owl City on there. I like a little Owl City. But but not Coldplay. It's just going to make me madder. <laughs> if I could get Hello Seattle in an OR, I'd be fine with it. No Fireflies? You don't want to play Fireflies? No. No. No? <laughs> no Carly Rae Jepsen? I have, a special, uh, I have a special place in my heart for Hello Seattle. Just a weird song. Is it Seattle? It's is that, is mostly that about Seattle. Actually Seattle. It's not where they film Midsummer, is it? No. <laughs> but this is a. I mean, I'm glad we're back. Yeah. Welcome back, Johnny. I'm glad you don't have COVID currently. I mean, especially because we're all in the same room right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel better. We're gonna see everyone at Comic Con, hopefully. Yep. Um. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for everyone who reached out during the break the impromptu break and if we don't see you in november we will be talking to you soon so thank you everybody and thank you greg thanks guys good to always. see you again yep and Same. thank you dr jackson vane and dr greg Winter. How, <laughs> how dare you for everything you do Oh, uh, I'm embarrassed. I'm I am embarrassed. I I want to like leave here asap. Now. It's Thank his you. house. <laughs> I still want to leave from this room with everybody in here as quick as possible. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.